Hello, Luminous Souls. Thank you so much for tuning in. Your presence is both welcome and needed in this sacred space. This is Faith Inspired Action, the podcast. I am Tara Todd, multi-passionate healer, faith fanatic, plant medicine enthusiast, and co-creating queen. Nope, never been called modest. (laughs) But I am your host, and I am so excited to venture on this journey with you. I help people remember who they are and harness their power to curate the life they desire. So we'll have conversations around mindset, metaphysics, faith, personal development, and expansion. I believe in one consciousness and the interrelation of all living things. So let's water each other's tree, nourish one another's soil, and empower humanity to align, transform, and transcend into their divinity. I am all about the healing, wholeness, and as a collective, living our most sovereign and authentic lives. I am extending my branch to you, so let's jump right in. Hello, hello, my luminous souls. Welcome to another episode of Faith Inspired Action, the podcast. Today's episode is going to be about surrender, trust, and building belief. I told you that I was going to talk about this because on my last episode, I had said, well, we were talking about surrendering to soul and what it feels like to be led from within versus worrying about external validation and people letting you know what they think you should be doing or advising you. You have all the answers within. And so we were just kind of talking about what that feels like and how magical and ethereal it is. And I was kind of reminiscing about my relocation to Charlotte so many years ago, and I just wanted to share that um, experience with you. So we are going to jump right in. Um, so when I went, when I relocated to Charlotte from Western New York, the driving force was really to give my son more and better opportunities. I grew up in a small, primarily Caucasian town about 20 minutes from the Canadian border, And we have two middle schools, one high school, and no black representation in leadership whatsoever. My son was a teen at the time. I had taken him out of private school and put him in public school. And then shortly after, um, I had a breakup. It wasn't his father, but it was someone that I had been with for a while and someone who meant a lot to him. There was a lot going on in this short time frame. I had just graduated with my bachelor's degree and hadn't been in the work workforce for several months. So I ended up, after the breakup, ended up moving back home with my mother for a short time, and then I was able to get three jobs and kind of get back on our feet and get out again. Um, So my son was having a lot of behavioral issues, and I believe those were exacerbated by all the changes, all the shifts. And honestly, at the time, I didn't really put two and two together with regard to the impact of him not having that father figure around. So every other day, I was getting calls from the school. Sometimes he'd run away and not come home. It was really crazy. It was extremely stressful. Um, Probably most one of the most stressful times I ever had as a parent. I was constantly having to leave work to pick him up from school because he was, you know, hanging with the wrong crowd. And so he couldn't be trusted to just get himself home and do what he was supposed to be doing. Um, 
little tangent, as we know, middle school years are the most challenging. In fact, it wasn't until about two years ago when I was working with my um, RTT coach, transform, Rapid Transformational Therapy, I think is what that stands for. Um, and she will eventually be a guest, I'm sure. But it wasn't until being under hypnosis that it was revealed to me that a lot of my childhood trauma was actually directly tied to my experiences um, during that middle school time frame. And I had never realized just how hard those years were for me. And I definitely didn't realize how much of that stuff was still with me and was still affecting me. So there was a lot of deep healing that took place um, to, to release that. But back to my story. So yeah, I felt completely and totally alone and completely powerless to understand really what he was going through. He had, he had changed so much in such a short and fast time. And I just did not feel equipped, but nor did I really have the support that I needed to find effective solutions. One thing I can say, single parenting is not for the faint of heart. I mean, we went through so much between 13 and 17, man, and I just didn't really know where to turn for answers. It was a, it was a struggle and it was a lesson too, because I had a lot of pride back then. I probably still have more than I should, but I was really bad back then. It felt like, it felt deadly for me to let anybody see my weaknesses or to know that I you know, I needed help. It was obviously that whole situation with my son was also a lesson for me, a lesson in humility. I had to learn how to ask for help. You know, it was, it became, it, it, after a while, it was no longer a choice. I had to ask for help. And eventually I did. It was still a really long road, <laughs> even with some support. Um, but honestly, you know what? As parents, we do the best we can with what we have in that moment to work with. So as my son was coming out of middle school and heading into high school, I was deeply concerned because I knew that it would just expose him to even more devious <laughs> little ones, teenagers, um, because as we know, teens love to gravitate to one another. So when they are like-minded or, you know, sometimes just looking for something to do, they find the wrong things. And with us only having one high school, I was just like, I can't do this for, you know, another several years. So, you know, the kids he was hanging out with were already a bit of a negative influence. And yeah, I just... I needed to get him out of there. That was really what I felt, how I felt. And, um, and that's what I really tried hard to do. So, and, and I will also say this, my situation taught me or showed me that parents aren't always the problem. Sometimes we look at troubled children and the first thing we say is, oh, their parents didn't do this or that. They had no discipline, blah, 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 right? But when he would get in trouble, I would see the shock on people's faces when I had to come to the school for something. They were not expecting what they got. 
they knew I was a young single parent, but they were expecting, you know, disarray or us to be living in chaos. And neither of those were our reality. And I know that because we were black, they were even more surprised to learn that I was educated and spoke and carried myself well and always had a job, you know, wasn't just living off the system and doing nothing. Um, my kid didn't want for anything. That's probably half of the problem. He, as an only child, you know, when you have an only child, they're just spoiled by default because <laughs> there's just nobody to share with. And it just, you know, first grandchild, first great grand, he definitely spoiled. Um, but he needed more structure and discipline. And that was really hard being a single parent and having to work outside of the home and, you know, just being pulled in so many different directions, trying to finish my education when I could, things like that. Um, so I've learned not to judge other parents so harshly, I have can admit, because now that I've gone through that situation, I recognize that people probably were expecting a lot worse from me. Um, but again, back to the story. <laughs> so I remember being at my breaking point and really just asking God, you know, get me out of here. My goal was a new environment, new school, new friends, fresh start. You know, I thought that was all I needed. And here's where it gets a little foggy, because if you know how God works, you understand that magic and miracles don't live within the confines of the matrix. From what I can remember clearly, <laughs> my son's cousin, who is a great friend of mine, she relocated to Greensboro, North Carolina. And this was a few years prior to me wanting to get out of New York. She was getting married and I was her maid of honor. So we had been talking about me coming down for the wedding and just not coming back. That was her suggestion. She's like, just come on down and don't go back. You know, we'll, we'll help you start a life here. I didn't really want to be in Greensboro. I had visited it. And for some reason, it just didn't feel like that's where I was supposed to be. It felt a little too similar to where I had come from. Even though it's not, it just felt that way to me. But Charlotte was a much bigger metropolitan city and just an hour away from Greensboro. So it just was the better fit. And I can't really explain what that means other than it felt right. Um, I didn't want anything that felt like home. You know, I was craving new experiences, new people, culture, um, an abundance of opportunities and a place where affluent black people were plentiful. And Charlotte has all of that. And I, I love Charlotte and will always love Charlotte, whether I live there or not. So anyways, as the months were passing and the plans were being made for the wedding, I had come down to throw the bridal shower. And I'd also come down for another event prior to the actual wedding. I can't remember what that was. But both times I made sure to spend some time looking around Charlotte and tried to visit a couple apartments. Neither trip really put a dent in my search with um, Charlotte being so big. It just, there was not really enough time. And I have no friends or family in Charlotte, so I didn't have the luxury of asking anybody close to me or asking anybody that I knew, um, you know, who was maybe familiar with the city, how to get some guidance. So on the last visit, I grabbed a couple of apartment guides, went back to New York with the expectation that I would choose sight unseen and that I probably wouldn't be super happy, but I just figured 
I'd stay while I, until I felt stable enough to move. Um, and if it was that bad, I would just break the lease. So, well, let me backtrack a little bit because by, by the time I was making these visits, I was also seriously considering, um, my friend's idea come for the wedding and not go home. So I was trying to kind of, I, I can't even say time it cause it wasn't really my timing, but I think what I was probably doing is just asking God to align things so I could make that the reality. Just, I was hoping for things to kind of come together. So if I made the trip down for the wedding, I didn't have to actually ever come back. Um, so I was setting aside my bonus money from work and one day out of the blue, I was driving by a storage place and just randomly pulled over and took out a unit. Shortly after I started moving my stuff into it little by little. It's actually really eerie for me even now to recall the things that were happening because again, like I know it sounds crazy, but I just was not even fully present when these things were happening. It was like I was being guided. And what I mean by that is I didn't have a, a plan. I didn't have a list of things to do. And I think even at the time that I was putting things together and, and packing and stuff, I wasn't even a thousand percent solid that I was going anywhere. It was almost like it was happening so easily and effortlessly that I almost couldn't believe it was real. I don't know if you've ever had an experience like that. But it was all happening and it was just very spontaneous. And <laughs> I'm not even how, I, to be honest, I'm not even sure, just thinking back to what my life was then, I'm not even sure how I had the money to make those trips to participate in the wedding at the level that I did. And then to still have the savings to be able to move. I mean, because back then I was making about 30 grand. I mean, so sad. That's nothing. That's nothing to live off of. So, yes, the storage, the packing were just things that happened one day out of the blue. And I remember I kept saying, well, God, I guess you have it all figured out because I'm not sure, but I'm going to keep moving forward. And I don't know. It was really uh, interesting. Shortly after that, I bumped into one of my ex-boyfriends and um, in those last three and four months, we hadn't really, you know, connected. So he didn't know that I was moving and it turned out that he was such a great help because he had a big truck and helped me, ended up helping me move a bunch of stuff to storage. And again, things were just falling into place. And it, it, this whole time, I literally, guys, I'm literally just getting up, going to work every day and doing my normal stuff. I was not planning. I was not making lists. I was not even, I feel like I was not an active participant. It feels like I was just being guided. I know I keep saying that, but I can't emphasize it enough because it's such an out of body experience. So getting back on track, I bring the apartment guides home and I'm just casually flipping through, through them. And at this point I'm about six weeks out and I, uh, so I was flipping through 
you know, and I found this little cute community and I called the lady was really nice. She explained everything. I tell her, you know, I'm just going to look around at a couple more options and then circle back. I kind of thought maybe that was going to be my choice, but I don't know that it, again, the feeling, it just didn't feel right. So I didn't put a deposit down. Um, I actually was starting to feel a little overwhelmed and I remember just setting the book down and getting ready to get off the couch and do something else. But something told me to pick the book back up and keep looking. So picked it up, flipped through, and the next place that caught my eye, I don't know, again, it was just a feeling. I called and the girl was so nice. And I remember telling her, like, you know, I haven't secured employment. I have enough for my security deposit and first month's rent. But um, yeah, you know, my expectation is that I will really just hustle and get a job really fast, even if it's not the ideal job that's, you know, within my education or where within my strengths, I'll take something until I get the right thing kind of thing. She wasn't even phased. She was like, you're a northerner with a good education. You'll get picked over anyone down here. And honestly, as I started job hunting, it pretty well, it pretty much was that easy. Um, I did end up paying the deposit with her right on the phone and immediately felt the relief wash over me. Like I had gotten that secured. We were good. Um, so one thing, one more thing accomplished in my non plan. (laughs) Now, fast forward to a week before the wedding, I'm all packed, literally driving down with what we could fit in our Toyota Corolla at the time. Uh, we spent that week at the doing all the wedding things, and then that weekend, after the long weekend, drove to Charlotte and moved in. Keeping in mind, this is the first I'm seeing of the apartment with my own eyes in real life, guys. And guess what? It was perfect. I mean, I really liked the community. I liked where it was located. I liked the amenities that we had there. I thought it was lovely. And we were really close to uptown, which worked out to be ideal because it helped me learn the area really well. There's people in Charlotte who have lived there their whole life and they can't navigate uptown Charlotte. It's so funny. Um, But also uptown is where all the resources were for new residents. So we spent a lot of time at that main library hub and checked out Chamber of Commerce, uh, Chamber of Commerce and some networking opportunities. Um, So we were up there a few few hours a day you know, walking around, driving around. I was job hunting. It was really amazing. Within two weeks, I had three decent offers. And honestly, I felt like I had stepped so far out on faith that there was no turning back. So one of the jobs I had been offered was a 100% commission mortgage position as a loan officer. And At first, I was a little hesitant because I don't have any kind of a finance background um, and never really considered myself to be a math person. So I was a little concerned of how successful I could be. But I thought, you know what, Tara, you literally have nothing to lose. So keep leaping. It's working out so far. You're on kind of a streak here. Let's keep going. So I knew nothing about mortgages. I had never... Again, considered finance. Um, I operate primarily from my right brain. (laughs) 
Um, and I, I didn't even really remember applying to that particular job, but I was probably applying to just a lot of things that were kind of, even if they seemed like they could be in my wheelhouse, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, once I found out that most of the 20 somethings with whom I'd be working were making six figures plus, I was like, yeah, I'm in, let's do this. Now, here's the thing. At that stage, I was still living with a lack and scarcity mindset. So although I knew that kind of money was available, I didn't necessarily believe that it was available to me. What I did think was that if they're doing that well, then I'm sure I could get at least half of that and possibly more. But I didn't necessarily believe that I could make what they were making. But it was motivation for me. Five months later, when I tripled my salary, you can imagine how amazing that felt, how incredibly blessed and grateful I was to be in this new position and the amount of things that I could do for us at this time. I'll share two other crazy things too. When my boss offered me the job, he said that the main reason he hired me was for my voice, (laughs) that customers would love it and that they would buy. And I thought that was hilarious. Obviously he knew I had been in radio, but I didn't think my offer would be based on that. So at the time, remember, I'd been going down, um, going back and forth at that point um, for, for quite a few weeks with the festivities, moving expenses, money was running low. So I tested him and I said, listen, I'll take the job if you pay my next month's rent. <laughs> Pretty bold, right? Keep in mind, this job is fully commissioned. So if anybody knows how that works, you've got a couple weeks that you might get paid training, but then it usually takes you a good 30 days and sometimes it's different in every industry, but it takes you a while to get a flow going, to get a pipeline going, um, to have enough clients where you're making enough money to support yourself. And this particular job, if you didn't clear, I think at the time it was $30,000 in, um, Oh, I can't even remember what it's called now, but you had to make, it's like whatever loans you were writing at the time, you had to earn a minimum of $30,000 in order to, um, to even get paid. So if you did a few loans that didn't total or benefit the company, excuse me, by 30 grand, then you didn't get a paycheck at all. Even though you closed, you know, maybe a couple of loans, you had to get that 30 grand mark to actually get a check. So I know that sounds a little weird at the time. It was different. It was new, but I, again, I just, I think I was floating on all of the blessings that had come into my life and how everything was working. And so it didn't really phase me. And I, I was able to that wasn't a thing for me. So I was able to kind of float past it, but still I was concerned obviously about my bill. So, um, I told him, you know, yeah, if you pay my rent, I'll take the job. And he agreed and it happened. He, he paid my next month's rent and I took the job. The second thing that was really awesome a few months in was that my boss made a bet with me. 
He said that if I made my first five-figure month, he would buy me a gift of my choice. Now, I know I probably just confused you because I said we had to make a minimum of 30 grand. 30 grand was as much as we needed to benefit the company, and then we got a percentage of that. So obviously for me to make five figures of my own, I had to do well over 30 grand. I don't remember what I brought in that month. What I do remember is that, well, here's the thing. I didn't realize it at the time. Even though I was doing well at that point, I wasn't really pushing myself. And I wasn't really pushing myself because I didn't believe that I could make what the top performers were making. So him challenging me started a fire and it helped me push past that negative belief. It helped me to stop limiting myself. And it opened me up to be available for larger sums of money. So that next month I made my first $11,000 and ended up being able to throw my grandmother in pretty epic 80th birthday. And I was so insanely happy to do that. I mean, it was everything to me to be able to, to do that for her. And so it changed a lot in my life. It changed a lot in my belief system. It changed a lot in what I was available for and allowing myself to receive. And it set me up for more success down the road. So I hope that you see clearly in my little story how operating from soul and surrendering to the moment and letting God fully lead you, it only creates the most delicious outcomes. Nothing that happened to me here was expected, but it all helped to create one of the most magical experiences I've had in this existence. I moved to Charlotte to show, to show my son a better way, and he saw that. But he also got to see our own lives and our lifestyles transition greatly. And my leaps of faith taught him valuable lessons. To this day, he says he's so grateful that he got to experience something better because he finds that back at home, his friends are very short-sighted. They're focused on limitations. And often they don't even realize that better is available because it hasn't been shown in their shown in their physical reality. And I also want to go back to why I shared the story. I shared it because in the last episode, when I was talking about that feeling of being unconsciously guided and how ethereal those moments are when you surrender and you trust and you allow your soul to guide you. And the thing is that I'm in another transition right now as we speak. As you know, I relocated back to Myrtle Beach, and it's been a whole ordeal. <laughs> Not in a horrible way. There have been tests. Trust and believe there have been tests. But I have been reminded to surrender and allow myself to be guided. And what I can admit is that when I came the first time, which if you didn't know, I lived in Myrtle Beach in 2020 for a very short period of time before the pandemic. But when I came that first time, I was operating a little bit in survival mode. A lot had transpired prior to me coming back then. And I wasn't feeling fully grounded. Now, I don't regret the decision. I do believe it was a necessary part of my journey despite COVID and despite being led back to Charlotte during COVID, but, but, 
But what's beautiful is the difference in who I am this go-round. I'm so much better prepared, more grounded than ever, anchored more deeply in all the things that create positive outcomes. I feel it in the decisions I've made this round and the ideas that have come to me that didn't come the first time. Things that have been extremely helpful in helping me navigate this this transition a second time. Here's what's also fun. I'm back to working for straight commission, (laughs) taking that leap of faith. And I can tell you that while uncertainty has been the most uncomfortable part of this relocation, deep in my bones, I feel I'm supposed to be here. And this is already starting to feel a little bit like it can be home. After living in gorgeous Charlotte for 19 years, I can assure you that for me to feel like this could possibly be home is huge, is major. Because the things that I thought were important to me and what maybe kept me in Charlotte as long as it did, I now realize are less important. I thought there were certain things I couldn't live without, but here I'm happy. And I love that. Don't get me wrong. I'll still be spending time in Charlotte. You know how close it is. I still have my home there. Still have lots of great connections there. And a piece of my heart will always be there. Particularly because of the story and the incredible life that I've been able to live there. But at the same time, I am basking in the trust that this is where I am meant to be. There's lessons, connections, and business to do here. And I am here for all of it, (laughs) y'all. So I hope you enjoyed learning another little piece of my story. And I pray this inspired you to lean back a little. Trust and surrender are way more powerful than the constant doing that the matrix tries to tell you is required for success. Chaotic doing without purpose or clear intention is waste. It's like when the navigation takes you around the entire city to get you to, to, get you to the store that was two blocks away. Meanwhile, surrender and listening in feels like a smooth sailing guided journey. And if you think you don't have time to slow down and, and ask for that help and listen in, then you will likely spin your wheels going in a lot of circles just to get two blocks up the road. The choice is yours. But remember, change doesn't happen until you do. Until next time, my loves, I want to remind you that you are so important to this world and humanity needs every bit of you. So keep showing up. I love you and I speak blessings into every area of your life. Thank you so much for joining me here at Faith Inspired Action, the podcast. 
Whether this is your first listen or you join me regularly, I am eternally grateful. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please do me the honor of liking, subscribing, and leaving me a comment or review. I'm totally up for connecting online too, so please follow me on Instagram at Faith Inspired Action. Then go to my link tree to join my private Facebook group and check out my current offerings. I welcome your questions, feedback, and insights. Also, if you have something amazing to share with the world, I'd love to invite you on a future episode. Just direct message me a basic synopsis of your story and include your email. Until next time, I love your luminous soul and thanks for sharing your light with this community. Music written and produced by my brother, Gabe Taylor at Lord Kingdom Productions. All rights reserved.